Sometimes we ignore the positive because our fear magnifies what we're most concerned about. And so there may be a lot of evidence in a person's favor, you know, for instance, reasons for authentic hope that we just entirely ignore because we're so afraid that the next thing isn't going to work. And so part of what I see as my role is saying, okay, let's like take the big view, like the 30,000 foot view and look down and say like, this is in your favor. This is also in your favor. Because we talk about, you know, where your attention goes, the energy flows, right? And so if we can just get that perspective back, I think that can be super useful. Welcome to Heal Your Relationships. This podcast is all about healing your marriage and your other close relationships without waiting for the people around you to change. I'm your host, Dr. Kavita Sun. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. So good to have you guys here. Happy Thursday again. It's a blessing, as I say, every week to have modern technology to be able to come to you wherever you are and have a moment to chat together. So welcome. And thank you for being here today. I have something huge, huge treat for you, but also for me, really. We're chatting with Dr. Erica Bove, who is a dear friend of mine, and is a fertility specialist. She's a physician and is now a fertility coach as well and worked with us, actually did our programs and then worked with us as a head coach for a little while in our organization and was tremendously impactful and helpful during her time here and then decided to start her own journey in entrepreneurship, which I think is so needed out there. I've been on that journey myself. I know how I would have loved to have Erica by my side back then. So I'm so excited to bring all of her wisdom to you guys. And if anyone, either you or anyone you know, is going through any sort of emotional, relational, fertility struggle, please share this episode with them. I think they'll find it really helpful. So Erica, welcome. Thank you, Kavita. Every every moment I spend with you, I cherish and I just adore our friendship. And I'm so, so very grateful that our paths crossed when they did because, you know, and when you look at your life and you look at your life trajectory and you think of so many people come and go, right? And then other people are like these pivotal people where you get to walk with them and that relationship changes the whole trajectory of your whole life and your future. And, and you are one of those people for me. And so I'm just so grateful to be here with you today and just living this life with you. You know, it's amazing. All right. What a blessing. Yeah. Every single thing, I I feel the same way. Like really pivotal people and you're one of them. So Tell us, if you don't mind, as a way of introduction, how you came to be a fertility coach. How did that whole transition happen from you being a reproductive endocrinologist, physician, full-time practice? What was that journey like to become a fertility coach for women? That is such a great question. I could give you like various lengths of the story because there's so many layers, but I'll, I'll give you the highlights. So I actually went to med school to be a psychiatrist, uh, like you actually. And when I got into medical school and started doing my clinical rotations, I really found myself drawn to things where I was using my hands and having like very tangible problem solution, move on. And one thing I found especially meaningful was my time in the women's health program at UVM, which is where I went to med school. And working in the OBGYN department, uh, helping people with their fertility journeys, helping people with their GYN oncology journeys. It was just, I remember it was a time when I just didn't look at the clock. Like Mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, this is really interesting. Like time has literally stopped. 
And then, you know, on my psychiatry rotations, although I enjoyed them, the days felt so long for me. It was the weirdest thing. And, you know, we take all this as data. We have to pay attention to our bodies. And I thought to myself, like, maybe I resonate more with the OBGYNs in terms of how I'm wired. And maybe I need to think more about this because this was like not even on my radar, right? So I did all my rotations and I got to the end. I took a lot of notes as I was going along. And I'm like, I really think I want to do OBGYN. And I think I want to, you know, go into infertility if I can, because, you know, it's three extra years and fellowship and all those things. And all these people said to me, are you sure? <laughs> like, like, are you really sure you want to do that? Like, you know, we see you guys like it's such a nice life as a psychiatrist. I'm like, well, you know, thank you for your support. And I'm going to go do this other thing. So I started on this journey. I did my residency in New York City. I then matched into a fellowship in infertility, which was fantastic. And then as I got into practice, something about it just wasn't right because I had my children during training and I just felt like my well was always empty. That makes sense. Like no matter what I did, like prayer, meditation, exercise, all those things that are supposed to fill us up, I just felt like I just was not able to be fully present in the ways I needed to, to my family. And also, especially as a parent, you know, I felt like there was a disconnect with how I was able to parent my children. And at that point, a parent coach came into my world and she was offering me free parent coaching to try and get her own certification. And I was like, yes, me, please sign me up. And that was really when I drank the coaching Kool-Aid, I would say. Um, And I hadn't even really thought about coaching. I mean, I'd been a therapy junkie for like years, Mm -hmm. which as we know, they have some overlap, but they're actually very distinct as well. And I got so much out of that parenting coaching, which, you know, it's funny because you access coaching at one, at one point, and then you realize it's actually, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go like work on my parenting. And you're like, oh, (laughs) and my childhood and my like boundary issues and like all this other stuff. You're like, all of it is all the same. It's from the same well. It's all the same. It's just like, kind of, it's like a crystal and it's like, where am I going to like access this thing that we call life? And so I did the parent coaching. And then at that point, I had just gone through a divorce and I was entering into a relationship, which then ended. And I was like, you know what? Like, I think that I need some help with relationship coaching. And at that same time, as the universe does, your content and your videos and your challenges were coming up on my social media feed. So that was awesome. And it was like, you know how we savor a truffle? Like I get a truffle mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have it at 9 p.m. I'm going to have it with my tea and I'm going to savor it. It was like, I would do that with your videos. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to like like set aside 20 minutes at this time. I'm going to be uninterrupted. I'm not going to be multitasking and I'm going to like have my journal. Like that's, and I just felt so drawn to it. It was almost like I couldn't not do it because it was so delicious and wonderful in my life, right? And so that was like 2019. And mm-hmm. then that's when I decided, that's when we had our first conversation and you helped me identify my my unanswerable question. You're like, yeah, I think I can help you with this. And then we decided to work together, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so we spent a lot of time together. We did yes, the HYR program. Yeah, a couple a couple years. So the Heal Your Relationships program, which was which was and is fantastic. You know, it continues to evolve as we all do. But that was really when I was looking deeply into you know my relationship patterns, my communication styles, my aversion to conflict, like all these different parts of myself that I think, I I mean, we all have wounds, right? Abandonment stuff. You know, I had never even considered that attachment styles. Like there's so much that at that point I'd never really shown a light on before. And then like 
all, not even just intimate relationships, but all my relationships started to become better and richer and just kind of have this flow to them. Yeah. So that was really wonderful. And then at the end of that, I was like, well, you know, I, I tried to do it on my own in terms of like use the tools and go back. But I will say it was like almost like it took 110% of my concentration because mm-hmm. I knew what to do. I just didn't quite know how to do it like in the moment efficiently without like all every ounce of my being doing it. Totally. Like any yeah. other skill, right? We learn to ride a bike. We have to fall on our butt and practice a lot and just doesn't feel like it's in your muscle memory. No, no. And you need help. No. To get there. That's right. So that's when I was like, okay, so this is working. I just know I need additional support. And then, you know, you had the mastery program, which was, mastery was relatively new then, which was super exciting. And that was the whole concept of being the master of your fate and the ship analogy of having your crew and your anchor and your North star and all of that. And that really spoke to me. And so I had not ever really considered that before. I had always been like, you know, I'm kind of at the whim of whatever life throws at me and then I'll deal with it. But it's, a different way of looking at life. Like I'm going to orient myself with my values and my why, and I'm going to figure out what resources I have. And I have agency to shift in the direction that I need to go. And so that's when, I know this is a a long story, but that's really when I was like, oh my goodness, I want to become a coach. That was when the 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 light bulb went off. Oh my gosh, I know. I know. And it's like like any other big decision, like we we take these baby steps, right? Because you were like, okay, what's your next right thing this week? And I was like, contact the people to see what the time commitment is. And and it's obviously I had to work myself up to it, but I just had this intuition that that was the next right thing for me to do. And I mean, I haven't looked back since. It's been such a rich journey of getting certified as the coach and then, you know, working with you and your team and then getting the idea as I was in coaching school as I was going to work every day and then going to school at night, I was like, there's a lot of gaps in the experience of our fertility patients. And I don't have time to address every single one of them in my day. And there's a lot of people who are sort of just in the space of like not knowing what the next right thing is and feeling completely overwhelmed, powerless, hopeless, unsure, ruminating, like all these different things that we know in coaching help us in other aspects of life. Like there's no space for women to navigate this. And so I I remember you and I had talked about that a little bit and we talked about various iterations of it. And then through time, it just became clear that that was, you know, something that I could do and could give the world. And that's what I'm doing now, which is super exciting as I continue to practice medicine. Amazing. Amazing. What a long arc of a series of events. And throughout all of it, I'm struck by how you slowed down enough to listen to your body and your intuition at critical moments, even way before I even knew that that was such a thing. Like even when you were in medical school, you were starting to say, well, this was the idea I came in with, but this is what my intuition, my body is telling me. That takes a whole lot of courage to, and as my daughter says, you have to have some fear to be courageous, right? To have some confusion and slow down enough to listen to that is is the beginning, I think, of self-discovery. So amazing arc through all of that, which makes that story uniquely yours, right? And so you uh, have come through this long journey. You are now a fertility coach, which is just really amazing to me that we live in a day and time and age that that sort of wisdom is available to us. I'm curious, and I I think our listeners would love to know, what parts of your physician knowledge and what parts of your coaching knowledge 
and your personal coaching journey, which parts of all of those do you bring to your unique lens on fertility coaching? What can someone expect when they're working with you? Yes, that's a great question. And so as I was thinking about who am I to my people, what what can people really get from this? There's really three pillars that I are really the focal points. So the first one is empowerment. You know, I help professional women who just feel completely powerless at the face of the fertility journey. And I think part of it is because it's the threat of either being childless or not being able to build a person's family. And that, I mean, not not everybody wants children, and that's a fact. And at the same time, if somebody does want a child, that is a very deeply rooted desire, and mm-hmm. it can be very crushing even to think about the possibility of that not happening. And so that's when the fear takes over and it becomes harder to gain our resources and and figure out what to do next. And so that's really one of my core pillars is empowerment because it's through love and science that we then say, okay, you have agency here. These are the facts. You know, these are your values. Like what is the right thing for you personally? Because we know there's a lot of different right ways to proceed. It's just what is the right way for that individual at that moment in time in their situation? So that's number one is empowerment and realizing that we have more agency than we think, right? Number two is compassion, because I think that that is the heart of medicine. I think that we need to heal the healers. That is how we do this in this world. And so we can't really do anything without compassion and especially self-compassion. And so you and I have had many conversations about self-compassion. I know that's one of the cores of, of HYR and mastery as well. And so really teaching ourselves how to turn that inner critic into an inner coach so mm-hmm. that we can truly love ourselves through this process. Like I will love my clients. I will love my people always, but unless we can learn how to love ourselves and give ourselves self-compassion, then you know nothing else will really flourish. Yes. You know, so that there's that. Yeah. And then the third one is evidence-based. And so that's the nice thing is I'm pretty sure at this point, I'm the only fertility specialist doing coaching in this in this space. And so wow. it's great that, I mean, sometimes it's a little like, you know, I, I have like my, my feet in both worlds, which can be a little bit tricky to figure out logistically. But at the same time, the benefit is that I'm reading the studies, I'm going to the conferences, I'm taking care of patients. I know what the most up-to-date stuff is. I know what's woo and voodoo and what's actually you know, evidence-based. And and admittedly in fertility, there's a lot of gray, but at least we can acknowledge the gray and say, okay, you know, this is what's going on. And so I think sometimes it's helping people, again, from a coaching perspective, not a medical advice perspective, but to say like, these are the studies, this is the data. You know, if you were my sister, this is what I might think about. And so helping people arming them with the data, which is so important, especially for so many of my physician clients to really think about how they want to move forward. Wow. I am really taken by the empowerment, compassion, and evidence-based approach, which is just sort of a perfect marriage of your two worlds and what you bring uniquely to this. There might be other coaches who may bring, you know, the empowerment or the compassion or their unique journey through IVF, but it's very hard to have someone who has the evidence base along with the coaching perspective and learning how to shut off or at least quieten your inner critic in order to hear your own inner wisdom, which is always there. It just gets drowned out, right? But I love it. I love it. That is Thank you. Beautiful. 
Well done. And I will also say like, you know, this from your work, like sometimes we ignore the positive because our fear magnifies what we're most concerned about. And so there may be a lot of evidence in a person's favor, you know, for instance, reasons for authentic hope that we just entirely ignore because we're so afraid that the next thing isn't going to work. And so yes. part of what I see as my role is saying, okay, let's like take the the, the big view, like the 30,000 foot view and look down and say like, this is in your favor. This is also in your favor yes. because we talk about, you know, where your attention goes, the energy flows. Right. And so if we can just get that perspective back, I think that can be super useful. Agreed. It's like when you're about to climb a mountain, if you have an idea of, okay, this is a mountain, there's a lot to do, but it is only a mountain and other people have climbed it and there's someone going uh, ahead of me and there's someone holding my hand, then suddenly we have some a plan and hope both. Well said. So a lot of our listeners come to our podcast to learn about relationships and how to navigate relationships. And I can only imagine I'm my own journey. Fertility was something that we had an IVF journey as well. And I've seen many of my friends also have to struggle through making their intimate relationships work or at least function as they're going through the upheavals of a fertility journey. I'm sure that's something that your clients are brought to you as well. How do you help them through that? And is that a part of the work you do? Oh, 100%. I don't think I could do this work without touching on that because it's so you know, important. And I say most of my clients do have partners and many also don't. And so I think that's also interesting to think about is like, this is, we mostly talk about intimate relationships, but then also like if your mother is your main support person or your best friend, you know, that's a different type of relationship. But I think also important to figure out talking about feelings and needs and communication, all those things. So, you know, I would say if you are in an intimate relationship and you're undergoing the fertility journey, as we talk about and heal your relationships, you know, the first step is really to get right with ourselves. And the first step is to be able to feel our feelings and to embrace our feelings and to realize that all those feelings are part of the spectrum of the human experience. And so there's a lot of, a lot of complex emotions in the fertility journey. There can be shame, there can be grief, there can be um, regret, and, and those, those can be really difficult to grapple with. And I think just the first step is understanding like I am a human being and shame is here, right? Shame is here for a reason. And I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to breathe through it and I'm going to let it go. And at the same time, like figuring out what we need. And I think it's, you know, what do we want? What do we need? I think what what we need is some of those deeper human connections. We need to be seen. We need to be loved. We need to be appreciated. We need to be heard. We might say, I want a positive pregnancy test the next time, but what do I actually need? It's a much bigger, much more general thing, which is probably relates to the UAQ as we talk about in HYR. But I think being able to to pause in those quiet moments and really understand, you know, what I need as I'm undergoing this, then I can then take that to a partner and say, you know, I think I really need a hug right now. Or I think I need some space to process all of this, you know, and and then maybe we can come back together. So sometimes it's connection, sometimes it's space, sometimes it's something in between. But I think until we can realize what we need ourselves, it can be sometimes we expect a partner to read our minds or sometimes we expect 
a partner to just like already know ahead of time. And they have their whole set of things that's, that's going on too, their whole universe and interaction with this process too. And so I actually do, you know, I do some couples work in what I do as well, if people want it, because especially when people are on different pages, yes. it's, it's really helpful to like say, okay, well, what do we have in common here? What is the shared vision? And then come back to that shared vision and then work through some of these things. Oh, well said. One of the things that I try to talk about in our work and with my clients is what you just mentioned, the concept of zooming out, basically, mm. and thinking about what is the overlap, even if the overlap is only 5%. And we genuinely feel like there's a 95% difference about that particular issue, there is probably at least a 1%, 2%, 5% overlap. Otherwise, you wouldn't really be trying to grapple with this person at all. You yes. know, it's not like we would go to our neighbor and try to sort something out. Uh, there's something here to work with. And often it's very hard to see because it's only a little dot in a blank canvas can feel like that at least. So I love that, that you help couples come together to find that shared overlap. And again, as you mentioned, what we pay attention to grows. So when we can pay attention to that little overlap, more likely that that overlap will then expand. So that's right. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm so glad that you are actually working with couples or with any relationship. You know, I wanted to say when I initially was thinking about having a child, I was not partnered at that time. And I did not know where to begin. I tried uh, adopting in India. And there was all this immigration stuff and all these barriers and that didn't work. So the very fact that there is somebody with knowledge who can shorten the confusion and the gap between where you are, and what you want and the options available to you. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know if insurance would cover it. I didn't know there was such a thing called shared conception, which is what we ended up doing, but never heard of it before. So just the optionality of it from someone that you can trust And someone who can coach you through making those decisions that matter to you. And I think that is invaluable. I can also imagine that people are, at least I was, and I know some of my friends are, trying to balance out what other people ask. You know, maybe Mm. your mom, your mother-in-law, your your extended family, uh, especially coming from Southeast Asian background, there's a lot of you know, extended family input. Does that come up in your sessions? (laughs) Oh, yes, always. And I think, you know, I'm so thankful for all the time we've spent together and what I've learned from you about handling triggers and basically calming the nervous system and soothing the nervous system because that comes up all the time. I think a lot of times uh, something I hear a lot from my clients is like a very insensitive friend who calls them with a positive pregnancy test or, you know, and maybe they know they're going through the, the process and I, I think maybe there's some gentle education we could do for everybody about, you know, when somebody is going through the fertility journey, it's just a very raw time. And any news about anybody else's pregnancy can be very triggering. And so that's then also where we talk about handling the triggers, but then also loving flexible boundaries. And how do we talk with this person in in the context of life? Because if it's a relationship you value and you don't want to just cut out entirely, You know, we have to find a way to communicate that. Maybe we need a little space from that person during this time, or maybe we need some parameters on what we talk about and what we don't talk about. So the the friend who's in the same age range who, you know, who ends up getting pregnant and, you know, can be very insensitive from the point of the person undergoing the process, that's a very common thing. 
mm-hmm. or like a sister or something like that. And then I think the other thing that comes up a lot is um, holidays and just mm-hmm. how very triggering because, you know, we have our chosen family and our family family. And I think that sometimes when we go to these gatherings, people just ask the most insensitive questions. And maybe it's even coming from a place of genuine curiosity or, or love, but it's not experienced as such like, Oh, you guys have been married for a year. You know, when are the babies coming if it's heteronormative couple and that can just be very painful. So I help people a lot navigate not only the bigger holidays when we know that they'll see family members who they may not choose to spend time with otherwise, but then also some of the quote unquote softer holidays that can be extremely difficult, like Mother's Day, Father's Day, um, Halloween. Uh, We we talk about social, you know, everyone's posting their children's pictures and their costumes and things. I mean, all these things that the person not undergoing this journey might be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just part of life. Like these can be very difficult times. And I will also say as an aside, as a divorced person who does not have my children for many of these holidays, these are things I know myself to do now after suffering greatly and seeing all the other families on these special days. I just stay off of social media because I'm like, why would I subject myself to repeated triggers? Obviously, we work on healing the triggers at the same time, but there's the prevention and then the dealing with the actual trigger that we talk about a lot. Oh, yes. Halloween. Never thought about that. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. Um, First day of school, like all those things. Yeah. yeah. Kind of striking. Um, It's sort of shocking to me. And I'm present to suddenly how heteronormative and parent-child normative our culture is. Yes. takes for granted. It's so seeped into our way of thinking, feeling, all the media we're exposed to, everything. Oh, my God. To not fit into, quote, unquote, that mold that's been laid out for you, you know, can be really hard if it wasn't, um, if you didn't choose that yourself. That's right. And that's one thing I love about, about the space I've created is that we come together in community. And so we have support groups on Friday nights, which is super wonderful. And just as in your, you know, meetings and support groups, we have the common thread. We have the commonalities that bring us together in a very non-judgmental safe space. So I think what people are hoping for is a safe space. Yes. All these other areas of life are are not necessarily safe. And so when you can find your tribe, when you can have your safe space, you know, people who are on the journey of of growth and kindness and love. And, you know, my goal is to help people reach their goal, however yes. long that takes in a very safe and supportive community. Beautiful, beautiful. So the thought also crossed my mind. Have you worked with LGBTQ couples? Is that something, or even LGBTQ person who is wanting to go through their own IVF journey? How, how yes. is that, is that yes. different or is it the same? Like, Yeah. So, you know, speaking of zooming out, I think about my work as family building, mm-hmm. right? I help people build families. And so whether that's two gay men and they, they want to use an egg donor and a gestational carrier, like this is a very broad thing in terms of family building. And I think, you know, there's different considerations in the LGBT community. I think that no, I have a lot of same-sex couples. Some of my favorite, favorite, favorite couples have come to me for family building and we keep in touch over time. And I think it's really thinking about the long-term picture and what the values are because you know there might be more, many options, like many options for family building. There can be reciprocal IVF, as you mentioned, where the egg comes from one partner and the other partner carries the pregnancy. That can be a very beautiful way. And maybe that happens with one child and then for another child along the way, it happens in a different way. And so 
I think there's all these different things, you know, for some people having the same sperm donor for their children is really important to them. So speaking of evidence and sort of practical aspects on the front end, I say, you know, get all the sperm you think you might need, because what happens is then these donors get on the, like the, they, they retire and then their sperm gets like wildly expensive and all, all these sorts of things. So things that, you know, we might not think about at the outset, I try to just arm my people with the, with the knowledge that they need. And also, especially, you know, depending on the level of support that they might have in their extended family, just helping them navigate those conversations as well, because I would hope that in this day and age, everybody would be supportive, but we know that that's not always the case. So trying to handle those aspects as well. So I, I love my LGBT clients and patients. It's just, it's a beautiful journey for sure. And such a blessing to even have yes. access to you and to your unique wisdom as as someone who's already, I mean, many of us are quote unquote outsiders in some way, one way or the other. And LGBTQ can feel like one of those ways. Mm-hmm. And to have a safe person to look at all the options. And I love the, that should be your tagline, Erica. I help people build families. God, I had a visceral reaction when you said that. That is. Oh, thank you. Yeah. that's. And also, I mean, there are LGBT people who see me and they don't have partners too. And so I think sometimes we like, again, you, this whole assumption of having a partner and building a family, that's not always the case too. So it's like, okay, so we project, okay, so, you know, maybe you might want to meet a partner, you know, you might meet a partner in a few years that may happen, that may not happen. You know, what body parts does that person have or not have? And how can we sort of maximize this for your goals? And so sometimes people freeze eggs and embryos. That's another thing we talk about Mm -hmm. sometimes is because, you know, if you freeze an embryo, sometimes that embryo is farther along in the process. And so you have a little more data about how those eggs perform, but then you can also freeze eggs at the same time. And that's a beautiful thing because then, you know, say a person wants to choose a sperm donor with their partner in the future, Uh then that can be a shared decision. So it's, there's all these different nuances that make it exciting and fun. And, you know, I I love the work that we're able to do because it's just, it's, it's so fun and empowering. Really? uh, Yes, I feel it. And you know, if a person who is single wants to become a parent, that is still family building. It is a family, right? Of course. You are in any way, in any shape or form, whatever, you know, like a river, it may take twists and turns, it may change over time, but it's all family building. In the age of many of us, maybe not feeling completely seen or accepted in our family of origin, to have the option to build our own families with the values that we want, if we want to, is a privilege. So yes, and I'm so thankful I exist in this in 2024, when these things are possible. I mean, I, I do trust that the research will continue to keep evolving and such. But I think that there are just so many options for people. And like you said, a lot of options people don't even know are, are possible either. So that's part of it is spreading the word to say like, this is there's a whole range of possibilities here. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's say I'm struggling with a my fertility journey, and I may be anywhere along that spectrum of maybe I'm just starting to think about it and it feels overwhelming, or maybe I'm halfway through and something or the other has not gone the way I want and I'm feeling overwhelmed, whatever it may be, people reach out to you. What does that look like to work with you? What What is the structure? How do you do that process? I'm yes. curious, me too. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I have a course that is a six month long course and we break it up into 12 week segments. And so if somebody wants to work with me, they book a free discovery call through my website 
we talk and see if it's a good fit mutually. And then, you know, if it is, and I really trust I can help people with this. I'm, I'm so passionate that I can, then the person would sign up and then have access to all the content. And we would do both one-on-one coaching, which is usually an hour every two weeks for about 12 weeks. And then we would also do the Friday night um, support groups, which is, and I, I also do, I do both fertility preservation and I also do people who are building their families because those are a little different. You know, some, maybe somebody has a new diagnosis of cancer or, or maybe there's a, they're a surgery resident and they're already 34 years old and they want to, you know, freeze eggs. Even that process can be very stressful and, you know, is really amenable to having a support person. So that is, that is what I offer. And the content's a little slightly differently, different for both of those things, but it's um, all in all, it's a six month program. And some people just choose to to do three months and that's, you know, they get what they need, they move on. But part of my goal is, especially for people who are building their families, we know that people are not out of the woods once they have a positive pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. There can be abnormally rising betas, there can be miscarriages, there can be all sorts of things that come up, especially in patients with recurrent loss. The first trimester sometimes is the worst part of the journey because there's so much anxiety about having another loss. And so Actually, and you find this interesting. There's actually one study that shows that one of the things that helps the most is regular contact with a physician and frequent ultrasounds in terms of actually improving the pregnancy chances of a, of a live birth. And so that's what I see. I say, you know, people say, Oh my gosh, six months. That's so long. You know, I really hope I'm, I'm through this. And I say, yes. And I will continue to provide support through your early pregnancy for as long as you need it, because sometimes that's the hardest time. Yes. Yes. The first three months, I still remember the panic and the fear and not knowing if it will, quote unquote, stick or whatever, you know, oh my goodness. And I've had friends who have had several pregnancy losses before they ended up creating the family that they wanted in whatever way they did. And uh, yeah, the first three months is, I mean, it's there even in in people who are not struggling with their fertility journey, the first three months are are terrifying. So I can only imagine, again... If if we decide to have another child, you are, <laughs> I am calling you up. <laughs> you used all this. <laughs> well, that's, I, I really, I wanted to ask you. So when you were going through your fertility journey, and I'm so, so excited and thankful you have sweet Gia. She's just an amazing child. <laughs> like, what do you, what would have made that time of your life better? That's a good question. I think early on, more information about my options That's why I was really excited when you talked about empowerment, because I did not feel empowered. I felt at the mercy of not having a partner at that time, at the mercy of not having my immigration stuff work out to be able to adopt if I wanted to, because I wanted to adopt from India. And just it felt more like I was at the receiving end of all these ways that artificially we set up borders and and laws to separate land into countries or all these just artificial stuff. I felt more at the receiving end of it Mm. and empowerment and being given options, even if I decided to go with none of those options, even to know that there are options for me would have helped my nervous system. That I think I love that that was the first pillar that you talked about. The second thing I think that would have helped a lot is evidence-based education about options for what we wanted to do because in my wildest dreams even as a physician back then I did not know about this reciprocal shared conception idea it sounded like um, science fiction to me 
I was so shocked when I first learned about this. And if I had known about it earlier, I mean, it, it all worked out. Thank goodness. We have exactly the child that we were meant to have. But I would have reduced my own suffering for so long um, because I was stuck in the why do I as an LGBTQ person not have that option? I didn't think that there was that option. I just thought everybody else has that option. Why don't I? How did you figure it out then? I mean, I'm doing the math. And I mean, Gia's of the age where that was just bread and butter still, you know? So it just, it boggles my mind. Never heard of it. I think part of it, again, goes back to the empowerment. I don't know that I was, there. you mentioned shame Mm. and regret, I think I still had some shame and regret around not having figured it out earlier, around sort of accepting my own sexual orientation, all of these things that stopped me from seeking that information out. And, you know, it it sounds like only six years, but in these six years, I feel like social media has just opened our worlds. Now we can go on Instagram and learn about all these options, at least hear the names. Back then, I just wasn't as clued in and I'd never spoken to it. I didn't have a friend who was a fertility specialist. I, there wasn't any PMG that I knew. I just didn't know anyone. So the very first time that I heard about it was actually after I met my partner, we decided on this and we went to speak to an IVF specialist. It was mm-hmm. quite late in that whole journey. It was 10 years of me sort of like thinking through this and debating this and and wading through my own feelings. So yeah, I think empowerment and evidence-based support early on, which is shocking to me because those are two primary pillars of what you work with, which is why I'm like, if we do this again, we're doing it with you hundred percent. So yeah, that would, those two things would have made a big difference. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so grateful that you found what you needed eventually. And just like I feel about my journey working with you in HYR and mastery, that you basically just like accelerate the time to figuring out, you know, what we need for ourselves because you went through all that. And so part of your gift is to help other people have the tools and, and get what they need sooner and better. I, you know, I think from my experience in the fertility world and just seeing what people are not getting and there's no fault in the doctors. I mean, it is a very broken healthcare system for sure. It's just, there's not time in the day Mm -hmm. to go into values and identity and feelings and all of that stuff. But that's the stuff that helps us make informed decisions. And that's the stuff that makes us unique. So I, I'm so grateful that, you know, you and I have worked together and that we can share that like reducing suffering in the world through the coaching lens. hundred percent, hundred percent. So, wow, I could talk to you forever. So, (laughs) so much ground that we've covered and anyone who's listening, again, if you know of someone that either yourself or someone that you know, who is thinking about whether they're very early on, they may be, you know, late twenties and in a busy career and building up their resume, but worrying about what does that mean for my fertility journey or whether they're, you know, halfway through it and overwhelmed wherever you are maybe you are in your 50s and think your time is over you know there are options so please reach out to erica so erica tell us how can we find you (laughs) yes so i think my website is the most comprehensive place because there's all the information the the links to book a call with me and that's loveandsciencefertility.com 
I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under those same names, Love and Science Fertility. And I would love to talk with anybody who is even tangentially interested in building their family. I love the support that I provide and it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Yes. And you mentioned the community aspect too, which also would have been so love it. I had one last thought too. So I was thinking about another thing which unites us and our mission in the world is freedom. Yes. And so when I look at your work and what you've done for me and my life and my relationships and my work, because relationships, they extend our relationship to ourselves, and then every other touch point we have in the world, I think that's the path that I'm on is a path to freedom, right? And I, that inner peace, that freedom, and that's what you do for your people is you give them tools to be free, free from past wounds, freedom to choose how they want the future to be. And it's just this very beautiful journey. It's not easy, but it's, it is, it is the path to freedom. And I think about when my patients and clients are mired in shame and regret and sort of lack of information and overwhelm and confusion, that's what I gift to my people as well as the ability to be free and to make their choices and to be free of the suffering and the surviving and to really help with, with the thriving. And so that is my intent for anybody listening today is that we can help to find your way to freedom and to thriving really on our own terms too. Beautiful. I agree with you. Freedom. Freedom is the thing. Emotional freedom, freedom from the past, freedom from your own shame and hiding from yourself and then freedom to make the choices and and have the community and the, and actually freedom to choose you so that you can choose the support that you need. Yes. Right. You have to, honor yourself enough to reach out and say, yes, I need support with this. I deserve it. I want it. And I'm going to take it. So yes, freedom it is. Here's to freedom, right? For everyone. Here's to freedom. (laughs) For both of us. Well, wonderful. Loveandsciencefertility.com. Yes. Okay. Loveandsciencefertility.com. Anyone listening? I'm going there right now after this call. We'll put it in the show notes. Erica, thank you. Kavitha, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Honor to even know you. Gosh, what a luck, complete random luck that we ran into each other all those years ago online. I'm so glad to have you in my life. I'm so glad you are gifting something that is so uniquely you to the world. That is the best thing we can do for the world is to take what is uniquely us and gift it to the world. So Thank you for who you are and what you do in the world. I'm privileged to know you and love and science fraternity.com, everybody. Thank you. And all of that right back at you, Kavi. I just, again, my gratitude overflows. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like access to our marriage repair toolkit, you can go to www.healyourrelationships, all one word, healyourrelationships.com and look for free training. I'll see you there.